Welcome to the Grace Long Beach podcast, a series of sermons from our weekly Sunday gathering. For more information on our church community, values, and service times, please visit www.gracelb.org. Thanks for listening. Today's reading is from 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 3, 3 and 3, 18. But thanks be to our God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved, among those who are being perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but men of sincerity as commissioned by God. In the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kids, you're dismissed, and the rest of us shall be seated. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jerry Giles. I'm one of the elders here at Grace, and it's a joy and privilege to be here this morning to open up God's Word with you on this Palm Sunday. So why don't we uh, just open up with a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that we could come and hear the children sing. What a joy that is to, to see children here in our church, rejoicing and singing your praises, Lord. And thank you for the reading of your word, and thank you for the time of worship we've had. And God, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would fill this room and that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. And I ask that you would just help me to to be able to, to share what it is that you've placed on my heart. So we commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, today is Palm Sunday, as we've already mentioned, and it's a picture of Jesus fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy. In Zechariah 9.9, written hundreds of years before Christ, Zechariah wrote and said, Behold, your king, humble and lowly, riding on a donkey. And then Jesus fulfills that prophecy on that Sunday in this triumphal procession entering into Jerusalem. And I really believe that his followers thought that he was going to go into Jerusalem, overthrow the Roman Empire, and set up Israel as a nation and Jesus as king. So they begin to yell, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But we know the story. 
A few days after Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he was arrested, he was tried and convicted and crucified and buried in a grave. And this week we're going to celebrate that. We're going to come and have our Monday, Thursday service and our Good Friday service. And a week from now we're going to come back and we're going to celebrate the resurrection, right? Greatest day in the Christian calendar and the greatest day in the history of the world where Jesus rose from the dead. But the story didn't end there. Jesus then ascended into heaven. But before he ascended into heaven, he gave his followers the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That was given to his followers 2,000 years ago. And it's given to us today. And so I want us today to look at this passage that we're going to look at and see that we are called to share the gospel with the world around us as we live for Christ. And so turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. We just had it read to us. 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to the one a fragrance of death to death to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Now, in Paul's day, when a a, a Roman general had a great victory, he would ride into Rome on his chariot, followed by his prisoners of war and by his army. And the city would come out to celebrate this victory. But instead of yelling Hosanna and putting palm branches down, they would come out with their censers and they would be waving their censers and and have this burning incense filling up the city around this parade. And for those prisoners, that incense was probably the smell of death because probably at the end of, of this parade, many of them would be put to death. Christ's triumphal procession has been going on for over 2,000 years. And Jesus Christ has been capturing people. Many of us are here today because we've been captured by Jesus Christ and we are following his victorious chariot through this world. The Apostle Paul was one of them. As you know, Christ met Paul on the way to the road to Damascus, and had a decisive victory. This mighty man fell. His pride, his arrogance, his superiority over others, his self-will collapsed, and Paul became a captive of Jesus Christ. Now, no, no longer as where Paul goes is there the fragrance, the smell of, of, of rejection, but there's the fragrance of Jesus. And we have that fragrance on us. 
Look at verse 15. Who smells this fragrance? Verse 15 says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God. Did you get that? We are the aroma of Christ to God. The person of Christ is on our lives. And as we go through life, God smells us. And he smells Jesus on us. And that's pleasing to him. I remember when my children were infants and you'd get them ready for bed and you'd give them a bath and and then put the powder or the, the lotion on them. We used to call it the good smell them. And we'd put it on them and get them all ready. But before you put them down in the crib, you'd smell them. And they smell so good. And then you'd put them in that crib. That's what we smell like to God. He smells Jesus on us. He says, oh, that's good. But look in verse 15 again. Who else smells us? For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. People who listen to your testimony for Christ are people on the move. They are people in flux. They are either moving toward Christ or they're moving away from him. Everyone is moving. And either their hearts are being softened toward Jesus or hardened against him. And the aroma of Christ on our lives reveals who is who and which is which. The aroma of Jesus on those who are perishing is a very unattractive smell. Listen, my friends, if you're here this morning and you don't want to be here, perhaps your husband or your wife drew you here, perhaps for you middle schoolers and high schoolers, your, your parents drag you here, but you really don't want to be here, then that is a sure sign of rejection. It is the response of perishing. What Paul is saying is here, if we don't smell good to you here at Grace Brethren Church, there's something wrong and you need to check your heart. And there is a terrible sense of finality here. Verse 16, Paul says, to the one is a fragrance of death to death and the other is a fragrance of life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Who is adequate? When Paul realized that his life was turning some people on for Christ and turning other people off toward Christ. He said, I don't like this. This is too much. There's nothing pleasing about turning people off, is there? And I know that that happened, happened to me many times. You know, I, as you know, I was on staff at this church as a pastor for many years. And, you know, so I'd meet some non-Christians and somehow... Being, having fellowship with them, and finally they'd get around and say, well, what did you do for a living? And I said, well, I, I'm a pastor at Grace Brethren Church in Long Beach. Whoa. <laughs> you can almost sense them step back, and when they let one of their four-letter words slip, they say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. And there's no pleasure in that. But the thing I want us to see is this. When you become captive of Jesus Christ, you have a decisive air about your life. You may not know it, but it's there. 
And don't get hung up on yourself because it's not you, it's Jesus. It's Jesus in your life. Maybe that's why we need to say, make me a captive, Lord, and then I shall be free. Help me to render up my sword and I shall conquer be. It's a wonderful perfume that comes upon us. It's the gentleness of Jesus. Again, if you're not becoming more gentle, more gracious and kind, then there's something wrong. And you need to check your heart. Are you really walking with Jesus? Do you really know him? And when you are, when, you, when you're living for Jesus, there's nothing that makes you more evangelistic than the aroma of Jesus on your life. That's what makes the good news really good. And this perfume is absolutely pervasive. What can the gates of hell do against perfume? It can't do anything. It's pervasive. It, it penetrates. So the first thing I want us to see is that the world can smell the goodness of Christ on us. The second thing I want us to see today is that the world can read us. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need to, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter of Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And what Paul is, is saying here is, I suppose you people want us to bring a letter of recommendation to you again that you will listen to us. And then he uses great psychology. He says, you are our epistle, read by all men. If anyone wants a letter of recommendation, you're it. We led you to Christ. We helped you to grow. We started this church. If they want, want to know or check us out, they can check, out, check us out by you. Every Christian is a letter to the world written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Isn't that beautiful? God has written on your heart. And the one who brings another to Christ is authenticating his ministry. This is the way you know that you're for real as you, as you write letters of the gospel on the hearts of others. Paul says that he helped write letters on the hearts of the Corinthians. And we are to do the same with our friends. We must be writing the gospel on the hearts of others. If this procession that started on Palm Sunday is to con going to continue, then we too need to be a part of writing the gospel on the hearts of others. And you may say, well, I can't do that. I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not outgoing. I can't do that. Paul says, I had the same problem. Look at verse 5. He says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves, to proclaim to claim anything coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. How do we write letters of Jesus on the hearts of people? 
Only God can do that through us. Your adequacy is in the Lord. But I'm going to take time this morning to give you a tool because we need to be prepared. How do we share the gospel with others? So the first thing you need to do is be able to bridge into, let's say, a neighbor or a friend or a coworker, and you have some time with them and you've been praying for them and you want to see them come to know Christ. Well, how do you do that? So you, you bridge, you, you have to use your own imagination. You say, well, you know I'm a Christian, right? Or you know that I uh, am involved in my church and say, well, well, yeah. And then I have three questions that you could do. The first one is, have you come to a place in your own spiritual life that you know for certain if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Now, you can shorten that and say, do you know if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven if you want to? But most people say, well, no, how do you know that? So then you ask them the second question. Suppose you were to die today and stand before God and go to heaven and stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Most people would respond by saying, well, my good will outweigh my bad and God would let me in to heaven. And then you ask the third question, would you mind if I share with you what the Bible says? And hopefully they say, yeah. And so now you have the, the, the privilege of sharing with them. So what I like to do is just draw a line and put man on one side and God on the other. And I say, I, I don't know if you know the Bible or not, but in the first couple of chapters of Genesis, the Bible t- talks about God created this world. He's spoken into existence. And he, uh, he created the first human beings, Adam and Eve. And he put them in the Garden of Eden. And he, he loved them. And they walked together. But he gave them one commandment. And he said, thou shalt not eat of the tree of good and evil. The day that you do, you shall surely die. And as you know, they rebelled against God. And so then I put two lines through there. And I write the word, the verse Isaiah 59 two. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Because of, because of sin, God has separated us from him. And so I draw a line down again. I put man on one side and God on the other side. And there's a separation between us. And I write Romans 3.23. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And I say, you know, the Bible says we've all sinned and done what we shouldn't have done. And then you ask them, do you agree with that? Have you done things that you shouldn't have done? And usually they say, well, yeah. I said, yeah, we all have. That's what the Bible says. We're all sinners. Then I like to use Romans 5, 12, which goes back to to Adam in the Garden of Eden. It says, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death is passed upon all men for all of sin. Because you admit that you're a sinner, and I do too, the Bible says that we are now dead spiritually we are separated from God and then I like to put down Hebrews 9 27 and as it is appointed unto men once to die and after this comes judgment and I write the word condemnation and I put an arrow down that says hell say well this is the situation with man we are sinners the Bible says we are separated from God and spiritually dead and we are condemned to hell 
Then I go on God's side and I just write one word, one verse, John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he who hears my word and believes on him that sent me has eternal life, shall not come into condemnation or no condemnation, but is passed from death to life. And you show them, over here, you're dead. Over here, God offers us eternal life. Over here, you're condemned. Over here, there's no condemnation, but we can pass from death to life. But how do we still bridge this gap? And so you draw in the cross. And you put John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. It's all in Jesus. And you point that out. You can put Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can put John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You point at the cross. God loves you so much he gave you eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so you have that picture. And then you say, you know, for... I've just been sharing with you the word of God. So then I go back to John 5, 24. It says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he who hears my word and believes on him that sent me. So I write the word heard. You've heard the word of God. And then you draw a line, line over an arrow. You must believe. And I put John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the power to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. It's all about Jesus, my friends. You must believe that what God has made a way for us to know him through the person of Jesus. But you must believe on him. And then you say to that person, does this make sense to you? Would you like to receive the gift of eternal life? And then you could pray with him. And you could do, if, as this is a tool that you could use, if you get a chance to do it, you just pull out a sheet of paper. Here a few weeks ago, I did this in a restaurant, having breakfast with somebody. I just took the placemat, pulled it out, and I drew on the placemat so that I could give them that, and they, they could take it with them. But this is a tool that we can use to write the gospel on the hearts of people. And when we do that, when you write the, the gospel on that neighbor or on that coworker or on that friend, they become a letter that the world can read. And, and people around them will begin to change because of that. I just had breakfast here with somebody who's here this morning. Who, and we were having breakfast. And I said, well, tell me how you came to know the Lord. And he was sharing his story with me. That as a senior in high school, his dad had left the home. And he was having the, some difficult circumstances. And it was through a friend, but he came to know Christ. And then somehow he got his dad involved and his dad came to know Christ and moved back home. And then he told me, he said, my mother could not deny the changed life that he saw in me, she saw in me and in my dad. And not only did she come to know Christ, but her younger, the younger sister and brother and even the older brother all came to Christ because they began to read the letter of the gospel written on their hearts. And you say, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. It's a simple tool. I think there's about seven verses you got to memorize. That's it. But you can share the gospel. If nothing else, I can give you an assignment this morning. 
to just take on your Bible or a sheet of paper and write the names of one or two people that you want to begin to pray that God would use you to see them come to know Christ. You can do that. Just say, God, I'm praying for so-and-so that you will use me in some way to be able to, to love them for Jesus so that they would come to know you. And we can write letters on the hearts of each other here at Grace. You know, we just, by, by being involved in each other's lives, that's why it's good to be involved in a second hour fellowship or a life group or some way, being involved in each other's lives, you write letters on each other's hearts. I know the people who wrote letters on my heart. I know Jerry Majors, the Youth for Christ director in Scranton, Pennsylvania, that wrote the gospel on my heart. I know Bill and Sylvia Sawyer and Joe and Pam Holt who discipled me when I was in the Air Force in Germany. My wife and my children have written letters on my heart. Lou Huseman, our former pastor, has written letters on my heart. I know that and I praise God for that. And we need to do the same with each other. Well, I'm going to make a third point, but it's going to be brief. So we, the world can smell us. The world can read us. And the world can see us. So if you turn now in, in chapter 3 and verse 18. It says, but we all with unveiled face beholding. And in some translations, beholding in a mirror or glass the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So this is talking. It's talking about we have this unveiled face. It's a picture of Moses. If you know the story, when Moses went up on the mountain the second time on Mount Sinai to get the law, he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God. When he came down off that mountain, his face was glowing. And so he put a veil over his face. But the interesting thing is it wasn't so the people couldn't see his face glowing but he didn't want them to know that it was a fading glory. It was, it was going away. And so when Moses would go into the tabernacle to spend time with God, he would take the veil off so it would glow again, and then he'd put it back on, and he would go out with people. When one gets to know Jesus Christ, it's completely different. The glory doesn't fade, but it, it increases more and more. When we get to be with Jesus, he comes in to be with us. It's a permanent togetherness. And the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives and transforms us. Moses had a fading glory. It was temporary. Jesus' glory is eternal. Our lives then are to be a transformation. If you look at verse 18 again, it says, and, and we are being transformed into that same image it has the idea of transfiguration. As we look at Jesus' face on a daily basis, our lives be become more and more transformed. When Jesus went up on the trans Mount of Transfiguration, his whole being was changed and his glory flowed from the inside out. And that's what is happening to us. Now, they had mirrors back in Moses' day, but it was metal that had to be shined up. And it's the same with us. If you want that glory to continue to increase more and more, 
What do you need to do? You need to spend time with Jesus, right? You need to get up on a daily basis. Get up in the morning. Set your alarm clock, whatever it takes. And if that's not possible, then you do it in the afternoon or whatever. But every day, we need to spend time with Jesus. We go in and gaze at him. We, we let him touch our hearts as we spend time in this book. That's why we need to be in this book every day. We need to read it. We go in and get on our knees, as it were, and we pray and confess our sins and let the glory of Jesus flow into our lives more and more. So that's what I, on, on this Palm Sunday, this, 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 this victorious procession that started way back 2,000 years ago, continues to move on, and it's moving on today. And God wants us to be a part of it. He wants our lives to smell good. He wants us to, to people to be re, able to read our lives, but he wants us to write letters on the hearts of others that don't know Christ so that this procession can keep moving on. And he wants us to reflect the glory of God. Isn't that good? That's what Jesus wants for all of us. He wants to live, live, have us live for Jesus with all of our heart. Well, I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to invite the worship team to, to come up. And we, what we do on a regular basis is we are going to have some prayer teams that are going to go to the sides of, of our auditorium here. And if God has spoken to your heart in any way, I want to encourage you to, to go over and just share. Perhaps you want to share with them. I'm going to pray for this person. Will you pray with me about that? How, whatever it is that God is speaking to your heart, please feel free to do that. Let me close this in a word of prayer as we do. Father, I thank you for, thank you for your word and thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and thank you that, that we are still following him today and he is capturing us and, and Lord, you still want to capture others. You are long long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And so I pray that there'd be many others here in Long Beach and around the world that would come to Christ because of our testimony for Jesus. Please use this, I pray, and bless the rest of this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.